0: Hey, if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to turn to Galatians chapter six and then Genesis chapter two. We're gonna focus on those scriptures today. As you turn there, I wanna greet and welcome everyone online. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We really love you. We appreciate you. And I believe God has a word for you today. I also believe God has a word for everyone else here as well. Um, If you guys don't know, my name is Micah Barclay. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you came and listened to my message last week, thank you for coming back. I really appreciate it. You have made my good list for Christmas. So thank you very much. Um, But last week I shared with you guys some personal things that the Lord was teaching me from uh, Galatians chapter 6. And I want to start there again this morning. And we're going to start in verse 7. And it says this, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's not get tired in doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So like I said, I, I shared some things on how we can not grow weary in the good that God has called us to do. Today, I'm gonna uh, kind of share in the same uh, verse, but I want to look at it through a very specific lens. And today I wanna talk about not growing weary in our marriages. Okay, and before I go any farther, I gotta throw out some big disclaimers here. The first one is this. I certainly am not gonna pretend I have a perfect marriage, okay? I I don't. I know in many respects, I mean, there's people in here that... um, have been married 70 plus years, which is crazy. I mean, that is unbelievable when you really think about it. Adrian, my wife, uh, we've been married 13 years. We have four kids together, and uh, we've had a lot of highs and lows. There's been some good times, maybe some not so good times, but over the years, I know we have grown closer to each other, so honestly, as I give this message, I was a little hesitant at first, because we're only like 99% perfect, Um, and so it's hard for me to share. That was a joke, come on, laugh, guys. You You gotta laugh with me here. Uh, but I really believe this is something important for all of us. Uh, Secondly, I wanna make sure everyone knows that I understand. I know not everyone in here is married, okay? Or maybe you don't even have a desire to be married, and that is okay too. Maybe God has given you a gift of singleness, and that's completely fine. But I truly believe that God wants to speak something to marriages here and speak to people who, you, you know, aren't married, or maybe they have a desire to be married because this is important to understand. God created marriage, and when He created it, He said it was good. God created marriage, God created sex, God created intimacy, He created relationship, and He said, This is good. So, if God says this is good, is it okay if we take a day to study it and see what God's word has to say about it, right? And then finally, um, while I am personally committed to every principle that I'm gonna teach you guys uh, this morning, uh, because it comes straight from the Bible, I also can't take credit I'll offer all of it myself. A lot of what we're going to cover today actually comes from a Jimmy Evans, Pastor Jimmy Evans from Marriage Today. You probably have heard of him before. Uh, he puts on the EXO Conference, which we simulcast here. Maybe you've gone to EXO Conference. Awesome. Uh, so if you don't like today's message, please email Pastor Jimmy Evans at Marriage Today. Let him know that would. Be awesome, all right? That would just be great. That's where I'd like that feedback to go. Anyway, so the title of the message today is The Four Laws of Marriage. The Four Laws of Marriage. We're gonna unpack those here in a minute, but I just wanna pray. I mean, I really believe God's already here, but can we just invite God's presence in this place one more time? So Father, we thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you for your presence. God, and I pray for every marriage that's represented in this room or watching online today that you would speak to us, God. Whether our marriage is thriving, it's just doing awesome. God, I pray that we would still take steps closer to our spouse and closer to you. And God, if our marriage is, uh, is on the rocks today, it's a little difficult, it's challenging, it's not where we want it to be. Father, would you speak to us through your love? Would you speak to us through your compassion and show us, reveal to us in a loving way what we can do to bring honor and glory to you through our marriages. And finally, Lord, I lift up anyone in here who has a desire to be married. I pray that you would bless them, speak to them, and even as they wait for you to bring the right person in their life, that they would not just focus on the one that they're waiting for, but they would focus on becoming the one that they wanna be for their spouse. God, use this message to advance your kingdom. Holy Spirit, we invite you here We love you and we give you this time in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. All right, like I said, the title is The Four Laws of Marriage. And this is how I like to think about it, okay? Marriage is kind of like a table, right? And if you put one leg on a table, that table's not even gonna be able to hold up anything, right, it can't even hold itself up. You put up two legs to a table, it's gonna stand, you know? It looks pretty good. You can figure out, hey, that's a table. But you start putting any weight on it and immediately it's gonna fall, you have three out of the four legs, you'll be able to, it'll be able to stand and you're gonna put actually quite a bit of weight on it without it tipping over, but there's always gonna be this one weak spot in it and if you put any weight there, it's gonna fall just like that. Well, the same is true about our marriages. marriages where you might listen to this message and go, well, I got this one down, like we are really good at that. And then maybe the next one you go, man, we're really good at this, and we're really good at that, but you might just get one of these. Even just one you go, oh, that's why we struggle in this area, that's why when we fight, when we argue, or or this source of contention is always about this one area, well then just let That one area speak to you. Whatever the case may be, there's gonna be some awesome things that you guys are doing great at, and and even as I prepared this, I'm like, man, I need to get better in these areas. We all can, so just be mindful of that. I ask you to turn to Genesis chapter two. We're gonna read verses 18 through 25. Uh, Really, we're just gonna focus on verses 24 and 25, but I wanted to back up, read a little bit more, and this is what it says, starting in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'll just pause and say, thank you, Jesus, because if I was alone, I'd be in a cave in a loincloth eating raw deer meat or something like that. And so I'm very grateful for my spouse. And he says, I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. And he gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But there was still no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last the man exclaimed, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man, because she was taken from man. You guys catch it there? I mean, literally, God brought Eve to Adam and he goes, whoa, man. You know, like, That's how we get the name. If you didn't know, it's in the Bible. At least that's what I, saw, what I said when I saw Adrian. I was like, now nah, that's a woman right there. I'll tell you, right. Okay, verse 24, here we go. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt No shame. So believe it or not, there's actually four principles that just in those two last verses that we're gonna talk about, four principles, okay? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because the first law is the law of priority. The law of priority. This is expressed in the phrase, a man shall leave his mother and father. Now, I I wanna say something here. I truly believe there's probably no other greater relationship, more important relationship, than um, a parent and their child, right? Like, I love my kids. We would do anything for our kids. Absolutely so important. God calls us to honor our father and mother and all that. But there's something that very interesting that happens when we get married. God created the first marriage. Like, this is what we just read. That was the first marriage ever to be created. And then he says, a man has to leave his mother and father. That's important. It doesn't mean that we ever stop honoring our parents. It doesn't mean we ever stop loving our parents. In fact, Ephesians 6, two through three says, honor your father and mother. This is, the first, uh, this is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. Come on, who wants that promise in their life, right? But the law of priority says marriage has to take Priority and it has to be in second place. Now you're probably thinking like, Pastor Michael, what are you talking about, second place? I thought you just said, I'm supposed to prioritize my marriage. And you are supposed to prioritize your marriage, but it has a very specific priority in your life. And the last thing I would want one of you guys to do is go back and say, well, the pastor said we're supposed to prioritize our marriage, so I'm just gonna put all my energy, everything I have into my marriage. That's not what I'm saying. Listen, Jesus himself said the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? That is our first calling, the very first thing as followers of Christ, we have to put Jesus first. In fact, if you focus on loving your spouse before you learn how to really love God, man, you're headed for a world of hurt. You can't do this until you learn how to do this, right? And so that's the first, but the law of priority says you have to be willing to give up everything else and put marriage in its rightful place, and that's in second place, right behind God. And I'm telling you, this is hard. in, In my own life, I'm very close to my parents. Adrian's very close to her parents. We love our kids. But we refuse to put our kids before our marriage. And over the years, we've had to teach our kids it's been hard uh, because you know we'll wanna go on a date and we'll say, sorry kids, you're gonna be watched by Nana and Poppy or whoever. And they're like, oh, mom, dad, please don't leave. And we're like, no. And we always say this to them, we will be a better uh, mother and father if we continue to strive to be a better husband and wife. And I, I love it, my wife and so I, I tell them like, I love your mommy so I want to spend time with her and I promise you if I do, I'll be a better daddy and we go out to eat for like an hour and at the end of it we're like you miss our kids we're like yeah let's go home and then we come home to our kids right because we love them but it has to take priority and you know it's funny a couple months ago, I'd probably say, my wife and I were doing some premarital counseling for this amazing young couple here in the church and they were about to get married and that's a requirement here. If you wanna get married and have us, one of the pastors do it, we require you to go through premarital counseling. And it's fun because they take this test and there's really no right or wrong answers. They just compare your answers to each other. You take it separately and then they say, you know, where do you have some disagreements and whatnot? And we got to this area that talks about uh, priorities and they had some question marks on and I was like, hey, let's focus on this for a minute. And I asked them, all right, guys, I want you to list the most important things in your life right now. And that list was pretty easy. They go, well, okay, we, we, we God, we love God. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. And they're like, we love each other. Uh, we're, we love our parents. We love our siblings. We have some great friends. Uh, we feel really called to serve in the church. We, um, I, we have a calling on our life to, in our careers. They both have uh, jobs, and so they're like, we really feel God's called us to do these jobs. And so they listed off six, seven, eight things pretty quick, and I was like, okay, that's awesome. Now I want you to literally put them in order of importance. You tell me what is the most important thing in your life. And then I want you to tell me what is the second most important thing in your life, and your third. You literally have to, you have to make a decision. You guys know this in real life. Sometimes you just have to make a decision. What's really more important? What is the priority? And I kid you not, it was about two or three minutes where they were just like, they felt really uncomfortable, right? It's like when a kid asks you, like, hey, who's your favorite? Like, you can't rank them. That would be wrong. But we were asking to rank these things in their life. Like, tell us, what is the most important? After two or three minutes, they're like, okay, we know loving God should be number one. I'm like, well, you got that right. That's good, right? And then after just a little teaching, a little coaxing, and like, okay, so then we're supposed to love our, you know, pursue our marriage and, and, and love on our, our spouse. I'm like, yep. And then all they, they go, okay, and then, I mean, we have to honor our father and mother and we have close siblings and then we wanna serve the church and then you know, then our careers and they're going through and all of a sudden, especially for the young man, he realized, and Ben, I'm speaking to you for a second, that our careers, the God-given calling on our life still could be like five, six, or even seventh on the list compared to the other things that we really want to prioritize and we need to prioritize. And I think that's an area where we mess up all of the time. And I mean, I'm raising my hand, I do it. I put things in front of my marriage or in front of my kids or in front of my parents. And I think I'm doing because I'm like, I'm the provider, this is what I gotta do. But the law of priority says marriage only works in one place and that is second place. First Corinthians 7, 33 through 35 says this, but a married man has to, catch that, A married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. Did you guys catch that? Paul is saying, this is important in the context of marriage, men have to think about their earthly responsibilities. And if you keep reading, it it says, in the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to, has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord the best with as few distractions as possible. That is the law of priority. It's saying, I am going to pursue my spouse. I'm going to love them. I'm going to make her or him a priority in my life. And marriage only works in second place. We're supposed to love God. Nothing is more important than our personal relationship with Lord. If I don't have that going on, I cannot love my wife. I mean, I literally cannot love her the way God wants me to. So focus on that first. I never start any counseling, nothing before I ask, how's your personal walk with the Lord going? Then we'll focus on marriage or then we'll focus on whatever needs to. And that's the advice I give to myself too. That's the law of priority. So here's the second law I want you to write down. It's the law of pursuit, the law of pursuit. And if we keep reading verse 24, it says, this explains why a man leaves his mother and father and is joined to his wife. And maybe you memorized it or heard it before in the King James Version. It says, This is, uh, therefore, a man shall leave his mother and father and shall cleave unto his wife. Now, uh, this word cleave is an interesting word because we just don't typically use it, right, in our modern English very often. But the word cleave, if you go back and look at the original meaning of the word, it means to pursue with all energy. God has called us to pursue our spouse with all the energy that he provides us. And come on, who doesn't love being pursued? I mean, we all remember those googly little feelings we had when we were dating someone and they maybe engaged and we just like, would do anything. We'd drive two hours just to go see him for five minutes. We'd write the love notes, we'd do anything. Why? Because we would wanna pursue them. We love being pursued. And the other night we were eating dinner and, uh Adrian, who said, "Well, hey, Micah, I think Adrian, or I think Hadassah, has something to tell you." And Hadassah's our six-year-old daughter. And I turn to her. I say, "Okay, well, honey, what happened?" And she goes, "Well, something happened at school today." And I go, "Okay, well, what happened?" And she goes, "Well, this boy came up to me and said that he loves me." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, you know, what, what'd you tell that little boy?" And she goes, "Well, I told him." you know, I think he's nice, but I think we should just be friends. And I'm like, hey, that is like a great thing to say. I'm super proud of you. And she's like, yeah, um, but there is this other boy in class. And I was like, oh man, if you know Hadassah, she just said it with this little smirk. And I'm like, okay, well, tell me about this other boy. And she goes, well, he chases me at recess. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, what do you do about that little boy? And she goes, I chase him right back. (laughs) And I could just tell there was something inside of her. She just like loved the fact that someone was willing to pursue her, right? And in turn, because she felt that way, she's like, I'm gonna pursue him right back. This is kind of fun. The problem is we tend to pursue our spouse uh, in, in like the dating phase or maybe when we're engaged. But I'm telling you, the work really begins once you get married. The work begins when you say, I'm choosing to pursue you. I'm choosing to love you. I'm gonna seek you with all the energy. I mean, really, that word cleave is such a powerful, powerful word. In fact, it's the same word that God tells us to cleave unto himself. He says, we're supposed to cleave unto God. Deuteronomy 4.4 says this, but ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive, every one of you, this day. What that verse is really saying is, there is so much power, there is life. When you pursue the Lord with all of your energy that God gives you, there is a blessing, there's life there. And that same word, cleave, that God says we're supposed to cleave unto God, same word. We're supposed to cleave unto our spouse. This is why we leave our parents one day and we cleave or we pursue with all the energy that he's given us, our spouse. The fact is though, and if you've been married for longer than a day, you know marriage is work, right? That uh, You think, like, oh, all the work is leading up to, you know, the weddings can be stressful and, and dating long distance, and all that can be hard. But man, once you actually start, marriage, you realize that's when the work begins, and as you guys know, I was the youth pastor here for many, many years, and so I had the opportunity to get to minister to young men and talk about these type of things, and I remember one time, many, many guys would come up to me and say, like, I'm, Pastor Micah, I'm convinced, I have found the one. I found the one, and I was talking to a young man, he's graduated now, but he was a senior at Free State, and he's like, can we talk, and so we were walking around Free State, uh, and he was like, Pastor Micah, I just promise you, this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with, like, I I love them so much. I'm like, okay, this is good. Like, well, one, make sure you go talk to your mom and dad about this before you make any decisions. And then two, I always took this opportunity to tell, I'd give the same advice every time I had a young man tell me this. And I go, okay, so what you're saying is you're ready to go die, and they go, what? I'm like, yeah, you're ready to go die to yourself. And he's like, well, no, I wanna get married. I'm like, well, that's what the Bible says, right? The Bible says that Christ laid down his life for the church and we're supposed to love our spouse the way Christ loved the church. And he laid, down, for, he laid down his life for the church. So we're gonna lay down our life for our spouse. So you're telling me that you wanna wake up every single day and say, God, how can I die to myself? I wanna die, to, I wanna give up everything I want and I, and I wanna love this person more and more every single day. And inevitably they like, oh, yeah yeah maybe I mean that's what I'm thinking right it's like it changed their perspective on what marriage really is because sometimes we get this these feelings and these feelings overwhelm us and they feel so good and we want to be happy and we think this person's going to make us happy and marriage is a great thing but marriage is work because marriage requires the law of pursuit and we're supposed to cleave we're supposed to pursue our spouse with all the energy that we possibly can. But again, the problem is, we tend to do that really well at the beginning, but we don't do it very well, maybe, uh, even as our marriage goes on. And I don't have a lot of time to unpack this uh, for you guys today, but I'd highly encourage you guys to please read uh, the book, uh, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. It is just such an awesome book, and he really breaks down uh, five ways that we can express love to people, and he calls them these love languages. Uh, I wanna give them to you guys here real quick. The first one is quality time, words of affirmation, gift giving, acts of service, and and physical touch. And you see, after 13 years of marriage, something I know, sometimes I forget, but I really need to follow through on is uh, Adrienne does not have the same love languages I do. She doesn't want to be loved the same way I want to be loved. So her greatest uh, love language is quality time. She, I mean, if I spend time with her, that just fills her cup so much. And this was tested yesterday. I had a full day planned. I was like, I'm gonna go to the gym, then I'm gonna go do this, then we're gonna go help a friend, then I'm gonna go take uh, you know, my, one of my daughters to go do something. And I was telling Adrian my big plan for the day, and I could just tell she's looking at me with her big, beautiful eyes, and she goes, yeah, but we just haven't, it's been a busy week. And do you think you could just like stay home this afternoon? We could just spend time together. And I'm like, man, I'm about to preach a message on, you know, marriage. I'm not gonna say no, right? And so I was like, well, of course, to me, I like, okay, and I recognize like, this is her number one love language. And I'm like, okay, for sure, absolutely. I'll just, well, go help that friend. The rest of the afternoon, let's just hang out together and it was a a wonderful night. Uh, But gift giving, I know when I bring her home a gift, she loves it, even if it's just a pack of Twizzlers or something. If if I clean the house for her, I know she's like, man, that just makes me feel so loved, that's great. But listen, those are not all my same love languages. There, a lot of them are very different. In fact, if she buys me a gift, the first thing I'm gonna ask is, how much did that cost, right? Like, if this costs, unless if it's a new shotgun, I'm probably gonna say, just take it back, let's save the money. And uh, because that doesn't like necessarily fill my cup. My love language is words of affirmation. I, I, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I said this in the first service and I mean it, I told her one day, I was like, honey, if I ever give a message, whether it's like anywhere, I, I really don't want a critique. I just want you to tell me that was the best message you've ever given before. And I'm like, okay, because it means so much to me. Like I'll get critiques from other people. It's like, I don't want it from my wife. And uh, you know, she'll just come home and the way she fills my cup, she'll say things like, man, Micah, when I saw you playing with the kids today, it, it just warmed my heart. Like You are such an amazing dad. I'm like... Man, and she goes, yeah, and honestly, you provide for us so well and you love for me, you're so tender, you're so compassionate, wow, you're just an amazing guy, you're an amazing provider. And I'm telling you, it's like, like, it, man, it just makes me like so happy. It makes me feel so loved because that's the way I want to be loved. Listen, Successful marriages do consistently what normal marriages do occasionally. And a normal marriage might just say, oh, I I know this, so I'm gonna do this, like you might leave and go do that today, that's great. But if you want a successful marriage, you gotta learn how to pursue your spouse the way, not the way you wanna be pursued, the way that they wanna be pursued, the way they wanna feel loved. And hopefully, in turn, your spouse will do it right back to you. When you do that, I'm telling you, when you get that law, that leg up in your marriage, it will change everything. That is the law of pursuit. Here's the third law, it's the law of possession, okay? This is still in verse 24. It says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. Listen, and the two are united into one. Or in the King James Version it says, and the two are united into one flesh. Listen, the law of possession is really about sharing. It's saying, I am willing to share anything and everything with my spouse. I hold nothing back. We make decisions about everything together. Our finances, where we go on vacation, where we're gonna spend Christmas and the holidays, how we spend our money, all that. I mean, the easy ones, the hard ones, the most difficult ones, like how many throw pillows do you really need on a king-size bed, right? Like, come on, I see some guys like, how many do you need, ladies? I need to know, you know those ones you just throw on the ground? And, and I, I couldn't even remember, and I looked over at my wife and, I, and she goes, like, zero, we have zero. I'm like, I won, I finally won. It only took 13 years, like, praise God. That's how much she loves me, okay? So I'll just, I'll just say that. But it's really about, it's a miraculous event when you think about two people becoming one. I mean, that is a, that is a miracle, Right? This is a quote from uh, Jimmy Evans himself, he says, a dominant marriage in which a spouse makes all the decisions and controls everything will always bring trouble. Selfish people cannot succeed in marriage because selfish people refuse to share. Ouch. Ouch, man, that is hard because I think it only took us about 25 seconds to realize how selfish we we were in our marriage. And I'm not kidding, it was a 25 seconds after saying I do that Adrian and I got into our first fight or our first argument, and I'm not, not joking about this. She doesn't even remember it, I remember it. But we got married on this stage and it happened like this. She's over here, I'm over here. We said, I do, you may kiss the bride. Yeah, everyone cheers, and there used to be stairs right here. So we walked out these front doors, uh, uh, those front doors right over there. And I looked at my new bride after you know 25 seconds, and I say, "Honey, I love you so much." And wasn't this a great day? Hey, everyone's about to leave and go through these doors. You know what I would love to do? I would just love if we greeted everyone just real quick and just said thank you for coming. You know, they drove here and they spent their time their Saturday. Let's just thank them for coming and invite them for the you know the reception. And she goes no, we're not gonna do that. And I'm like, what what, what do you mean? And and to this day, I don't even remember what she said. That shows how important it was. But I think it was like she wanted to go in and pin up her dress because she was afraid someone was gonna step on it. She's like, I need to hem up my dress, so I need to go back to the room where I got ready at. And I was like, no, honey, listen, like some people have driven like a long ways uh, to celebrate us and they got us these gifts. Like we really need to shake their hands and just say like, thank you for coming. And she goes, no, i just walked off you know i just started walking back to this room then i had the test of priority and I'm looking and like people are walking towards me. I'm like, my friends are my family, my wife, my friends are my family. Like this is a test. It's been 25 seconds. Like, okay, I'm choosing my wife. I'm choosing my wife. And I, and I followed after her because why? It's the law of possession. It's, uh, I realized that I'm a selfish person. She wasn't being selfish by the way. She was just thinking very analytically thinking like, I don't want someone to rip this expensive dress and then we'll go say hi to everyone. But in my mind, this is what I wanted. In her mind, this is what she wanted. And in the law of possession says, we have to figure this out. Together. That is the law of possession. You know, and just on a very practical note, this can be played out in so many different ways, decision making and this and that. But one of the things I've seen uh, where couples miss this the most is how they handle their finances. And when they do this like split and they go, well, you know, that's her money and she's going to pay these bills and this is my money and I'm going to pay these bills. And then whatever has left over, they can do whatever. Like, you know, she has her things and I have mine. And I just would really hesitate about that because the law of possession says the two will be Become one flesh you're about to enter this covenant with someone and say I'm gonna share my body with you I'm gonna share my soul with you. I'm gonna share my my hopes my dreams my desires the good the bad and the ugly everything but I'm unwilling to share my money with you what does that really say about your marriage what does that really say about what kind of foundation that marriage is built on so over the years, uh, this is something that just very practically Adrian and I have tried to do. We haven't done it perfectly. We got married young. We were both in college, and we both worked part-time and went to school. And after two years of doing that, we were blessed enough to graduate and immediately start having kids. And we knew that we wanted Adrian to stay at home. We had always talked about to stay home and just love our kids at that early age. And so I became the primary breadwinner. And I, had, I just made a de- 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 determination in my marriage never to say things like, oh, I see we went over the grocery budget again. I see you're not spending my money very well. Or hey, do you need some more of my money to go buy this? Or hey, did you put that in my budget? Or anything like that, because that's not my money anymore. When I get married, I'm saying, man, what yours is mine or what mine is yours. Like We're sharing everything. The two become one flesh. Pastor Thomas actually just mentioned this a few weeks ago when he talked about the number one reason, the number one driving factor towards divorce these days is not where they spend the holidays, it's not how many dates you go on, it's not how many times a week do you have sex or any of those things. The number one driving factor towards divorce always revolves around money. That is the number one thing that causes divorce. And I think it's because we're not very good at following this law of possession and saying, truly, I'm willing to share everything with you. The two are united into one flesh. And then finally, we have the fourth law, which is the law of purity. And this is expressed in verse 25, which says, and they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. So think about this, God creates the first marriage. And they realize they're both naked and they feel absolutely no shame with each other. They don't feel shame until they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you guys know that story, they eat it and immediately they cover themselves. They, they cover themselves and they hide themselves from each other and from God until they can cover themselves and, and then, they, then they feel like, okay, we can come back out again. Listen, when you enter into the covenant of marriage and this law of purity says, we, our desire is to go back to that pure state. That desire is that I can go to my spouse in body, in mind, in spirit, and share anything and everything with that a woman and have no fear of rejection or judgment. That is the law of purity that's what God originally intended but it's because of our sin that we struggle with this uh, purity between each other because we feel shame we feel shame about our decisions or about our bodies or whatever the case may be and and again for guys and girls this is going to be very different I know for guys typically this might be because we struggle sharing our emotions with our spouse um, I can do it maybe a little bit better than others I feel like that I've noticed but even me I guarantee I can just go into my boxes and I I can have my marriage box, my work box, my family box, my hobbies box, and I don't even have to really open any other box to anyone, I can do that. But I know over the years, some of our best intimate times that we've had with each other when I've just gone to Adrian and said, man, you know what? Can I just tell you something? I'm really struggling. I've been thinking a lot about this and, and this is, or this is a really hard thing going on at work and I don't know how to handle it and can I just talk to you and I, I open up and maybe it's bad things, maybe it's good things. Maybe I tell her, hey, these are the dreams that God's put on my heart and I think these are things that he's calling our family to do. And I tell you, when I open up, guys, hear me. When I open up and share those things, she'll come over, she'll put a hand on me. All of a sudden, she starts holding me, she starts kissing me. I'm like, man, is this hide behind feelings? this whole time, I'm gonna open up my feelings like all the time to her, right? This is great. And I'm just telling you, when you open up to your spouse, it can just change the perspective of you. Have the boldness to cry in a marriage. Have the boldness to share these things. And remember, it's without the fear of rejection or judgment. You need to be able to have that type of purity in your marriage. Again, though, Maybe that's how men struggle in uh, expressing that purity. Women could have a different struggle. It's not always the same, but women could struggle in purity because they struggle opening up physically with their husbands. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think it's because the church, and I'm not saying this church, but I'm gonna say the big C church has not done a great job teaching about uh, the covenant of marriage and what that means about sex and intimacy. And we don't have time to go into all that today, but God created those things and he said it was good. We we tend to think that somehow the world made these things and like they're just evil and they're bad and it's just a necessity to procreate or something. You're like, no, God said these are good and they were both naked, they were unashamed. That's the law of purity, that I can go to my spouse physically, mentally, emotionally, share anything and everything with them and I know that they are not going to judge me for it. They're gonna continue to love me and when I have all four legs of those tables that table put together, I promise you that marriage will stand. So I just wanna invite the worship team to come out and I want us to think about this one more time. Okay, we have the law of priority and I want you to hear about it. okay, this is like the first leg, literally priority. We have to prioritize our relationship with the Lord. That is the most important thing that we can do. Uh, I I mean, above anything else, it's the first and greatest commandment, but then he says the second one is like it's to love your neighbor as yourself. And our closest neighbor, if you're married, that you can possibly think of should be our spouse. And learning how to prioritize them above our kids and above our parents, this is why we leave our parents one day and we even desire to get married. It's because of this law of priority. What can we do? What can you do today to start making your marriage a priority? Then we have the law of pursuit. The law of pursuit says, I am called to cleave and pursue God again, but that same word, I need to pursue my spouse. With all the energy that God has given me, that's something I'm called to do, not just when I'm dating them, not just when I'm engaged into them, but the real work begins. Once I say I do, I head out those doors, I say, man, what a fun adventure this is going to be. What an amazing opportunity to wake up every day and say, man, how can I die to myself and start pursuing my spouse in a powerful way, a meaningful way, a way that makes them actually feel loved. Not just the way I want to feel loved, the way they wanna feel loved. That is the law of pursuit. Then the law of possession, maybe your, your table is finally up a little bit and you're like, okay, I'm gonna share everything with my spouse. I'm I'm gonna strive not to be a a, a jealous person. I'm gonna strive not to be a selfish person. I'm not gonna withhold my love. I'm not gonna withhold my money. I'm I'm willing to make this covenant and say together, we're better. That's the law of possession. And then finally, the law of purity. The law of purity just simply states that I can go to my spouse and share anything and everything with them without the fear of of rejection without the fear of pain or judgment. And I do not, listen, I do not, I'm, I'm so hesitant. I was hesitant to even preach this message. I actually had a different one prepared a couple weeks ago and like had five different things happen that I was just, God was like, pay attention, Micah. This is what I want you to preach on. This is what I want you to preach on. And finally I was like, okay, goodness, like <laughs> I got your attention, you got my attention, God. But I do not do this perfectly, especially this law of purity. Sometimes I just wanna be the fixer. When, when Adrian comes to me and has a problem, I just wanna fix the problem. And what I've realized over the few years we have been married is she's not always looking for me to fix the problem. She just wants to be able to share her thoughts and feelings with me. And again, I know she feels most loved when I'm not trying to fix every little thing. I'm just saying, man, that must be a really difficult situation that you're going through. How can I love you? How can I support you? How can I encourage you through this? And then all of a sudden she's like, you're not gonna judge me for feeling this way, even though I know it's irrational. I mean, she'll start the conversation with, I know this is irrational, but, and I wanna just like, yeah, so don't don't, don't say it, don't say it. I'm like, no, tell me how you're feeling. Tell me what's really on your mind. And all of a sudden it opens us up and we realize, man, we get to be more intimate and more pure before each other than we ever have before. It's the law of priority. It's the law of pursuit, the law of passion, and the law of purity. Without all four, your marriage is gonna be weak and it needs these things. God desires to strengthen your marriage today. God just desires to strengthen you in a fresh and a powerful way. Can I have you guys stand to your feet? And I just wanna take a moment and I just love for God to do a little ministry in our hearts and in in our lives. And I just ask you that you would bow your heads, close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me right now? What areas are we thriving in? And I believe there's some, I know many marriages in here are just killing it. They're awesome. But what area right now could you say, I know we could do a little bit better. I know I need to rearrange some priorities or I know I've maybe slacked off on pursuing my spouse the, the way I should. Maybe you're recognizing that you guys have never really followed the law of possession and you've struggled to share things, uh, mind, body and spirit with your, with your spouse. What steps can we take? What is God speaking? Holy Spirit, would you just speak to us right now? In Jesus's name. Father, I just pray a blessing over every marriage in this room. Again, whether they're just thriving or whether they're struggling, I pray that they would take the steps to draw closer to you, God. And as you speak to us, I pray that we would not hear the voice of condemnation because there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. He lovingly brings conviction. And, and the biggest difference between the two, condemnation will always sound like this. You're stupid. Your marriage is terrible. You'll never measure up. I, I know what you the fight that you had right on the way over here. You think that you can come up and get prayer. You think by hearing this message that all of a sudden your marriage is gonna be perfect. That's the voice of condemnation. The voice of conviction is always very specific, but it's always loving. And it's saying, hey, this is why. This is why I've been highlighting this to you. Or this is why I'm putting this in your life and why it's just been rubbing you the wrong way because I'm calling you to live in this area of purity or I'm calling you to live in this area of pursuit. And I want you to start pursuing your spouse like you did at the beginning. In fact, that's what the book of Revelation says when uh, he brings correction to a church. He says, you know why you've fallen out of love with me is because you're not doing the things you did at first. I'm telling you, go back and do what you did at first. Write the love notes, write the, uh, bring the Twizzlers home, whatever the case may be. Just tell your spouse that you're thinking about them and watch your marriage thrive. Again, Lord, so I just ask a blessing over every marriage in this place today god we know marriage is important to you so we're taking the time today to understand what you have to say about it may we serve and love each other from a genuine heart and from a genuine spirit and may you thrive make these marriages thrive and grow better than they ever have before And I pray for any person in here who desires to be married one day, again, strengthen them. May they take these principles and say, okay, this is what it means, and I know what it means, and now I'm gonna work on myself. If nothing else, I want you guys to hear, focus on your relationship with God first, and I promise you will be an awesome spouse for someone that God brings into your life one day. So Father, I ask that you bless them. Keep them, may your face shine upon them. In Jesus' name. And finally, we wanna to close today by giving anyone here the opportunity to experience the life-changing power of Jesus and accepting Him as Lord and Savior of your life. And you might be sitting here thinking like, this is a little weird. Why are you giving a salvation call after giving a message about marriage? And here's the truth, guys. God has called us God has never called us to do something that he has not already done for us. And every single law that we've talked about today, he's already provided, he's already done for us. Think about this, God made us a priority in his life. He could have sat in heaven, he could have created beings that just worshiped him all day and had no free will, nothing. He desired us. He sent his son, he pursued us. Did you realize even what Pastor Peter was talking about today? He loves you, he pursued you. He is the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to find the one. I'm the one, he found me, you're the one, he found you. That's the law of pursuit. He's already done that for us. He's followed the law of possession. He's saying, I'm willing to share everything with you. I didn't, I didn't even withhold my own son from you. I have given everything, like my love is here for you. And ultimately why Jesus had to die, the main reason why Jesus had to die is because we were far from God. We were sinners and the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What he was saying is we couldn't live in purity with God, our father, unless Jesus died. And because he believes in this law of purity, he sent his son to die so we could actually have relationship with God the Father. And we might be sons and daughters of Christ, but we are also the bride of Christ, and we cannot forget that. So today, if there's anyone in here that wants to experience this life-changing power of Jesus Christ, make him Lord of your life, Lord of your marriage, every single bit about your life, I just want you to raise your hand right now so we know who to pray for. Do not delay, do not wait and just say, I need Jesus. I need him in my life in a fresh and a powerful way. Maybe you've never given your heart to God or maybe you're just like, man, I've realized I have drifted from him. I've drifted from these principles. I'm not even married, but I just realized I've just drifted from God. I don't even love him like I did at first. This is for you. Again, if anyone watching online today, if you raise your hand, we're gonna have people surround you, pray for you, give you a gift, support you. This is your time as well. Do not delay. Oh, another moment here. Anyone else? Anyone else? I saw some hands. Is there any other hands that need to go up and to say, I am ready to commit? It's the first step towards receiving a new life in Christ Jesus. That's I see a hand. Thank you, God. All right, you can lower your hands in here and we're just gonna pray this prayer together. And we do it for a couple reasons. One, we wanna show support to our brothers and sisters who actually raise their hands in here. Uh, But two, we do it because it reminds us, it reminds me every time I say it that we don't graduate from grace. We need Jesus in our life. We need to be reminded of what Jesus has done for us. So let's just pray this together one more time. We'll say, dear father, I recognize my need for a savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could never pay, to make a way that I might have a fresh start and a new life. I give you my life and I give you my trust. And because of the blood of Jesus, I will never be the same. Come on, let's praise God for what he's doing. Guys, I truly believe he has something to do awesome in our lives and our marriages if we trust him. Let's worship one more time together, guys.